You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association, generously sponsored by Dairy Gold Agribusiness. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, Tommy Boland, ASA Council Member and University College Dublin, interviews Professor Frank O'Mara. Frank is the recently appointed Director of Chagask. He talks about his entry into UCD, the substantial programme of work that he's completed over his career, and his thoughts for the future. We wish Frank and his family every success in the years ahead. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Agricultural Science Association podcast series, Experts in Their Field. And our current guest certainly matches that description. I'm delighted to be joined by current director of Chagas, Professor Frank O'Mara. Frank, pleasure to have you here. Great to be here. Frank, we might just start off by learning a little bit about your own background. You know, where did your interest in agriculture span from and how did you pursue that in your early career? Okay, well, look, I grew up on a small uh, farm in South Tipperary, a little place called Lisrona, and um, always loved farming and that's so, all. Uh, I suppose it was natural to look for a career in agriculture. So look, I probably might have liked to have gone farming myself, but my parents in their wisdom told me to go off to third, to college and, and to get a third level education. And look, that was great advice. And um, I suppose it led me along a, a very, you know, a very rewarding career. I've really enjoyed every every minute of it since since then. And obviously still very closely linked to farming. So I haven't lost that um, you know, that the, the the buzz I get, I suppose, out of out of farming. Yeah, and so that that career journey then you went to study agricultural science in UCD. That's right, yeah. So um I remember as a young green uh, six just gone sixteen year old uh heading up to UCD or to Dublin looking for accommodation. Uh, got my CAO place in UCD, was delighted with that, obviously, and moved to Dublin. At that time, it was a four-hour bus journey from, from Clonmel to, to um, the city centre uh, in, in Dublin. And um, so, yeah, I spent uh, four years in Dublin doing ag science and a year, year away from Dublin doing the practical year. Uh, four really great years. And, you know, I always um, valued the education I got there. I think it was very... It was a quite a broad uh, degree, you know, you, you, it went through everything. My interest probably at the time was actually in crops, uh, but we got a strong grounding in, in animals and livestock, obviously, but also in things like soil science and economics. And they have stood to me, you know, afterwards, right throughout my career, even though I never was directly involved in research in soils or, or economics or policy. I always had enough, uh, you know, of a grounding really to understand, I suppose, the, con- the, the, the concepts and, and the importance of, of research in those areas. So really valued that that degree. Yeah, I think that's a really good reflection of the degree. That's the broad understanding you get and how you can place your own work then in, in a wider in a wider spectrum. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, agriculture in Ireland is it is very livestock dominated, but um I think nowadays we and even the the recent agri or recent Food Vision twenty thirty talks about adopting a food system approach. And I think the I really do think that the grounding I got in my undergraduate degree kind of gives me that good appreciation of all facets of the of the livestock or agricultural production system including the growing of crops for livestock which is obviously a very important part of of, of our industry and we might come back to that in, in a few minutes frank when we get to talk about your about your current role but maybe let's continue the journey from when you graduated with your with your BAG in ucd after your four years and you had a obviously i suppose that had provoked your interest in research at that stage and you went in to do a PhD then? Well, I did, but I, I, I took a little diversion first. I was um, probably after studying for the leave insert and then another four years in UCD, I was wore out of study and the prospect of um, going back studying again, while it certainly was attractive to me, I said, look, I want to take a break from this. So I went off for two years and worked um, in the grain trade uh, for a merchant, Charlie Wins in, in South Kildare. And um, as I said, my, you know, my 
interest probably was actually in crop production uh, when I left college. And um, but working in, in winds there, you know, the business was just getting into the, the feed uh, business. So, I, you know, I got hugely interested in the, the nutrition and, and feed. And um, I did after a, a year or so, think, yeah, maybe I should go back and, and you know, take up the or, or look for an opportunity to do postgraduate work. So I, I went about it and um, there was an opportunity in Moor Park to do a PhD on dairy cow nutrition. And um, I applied for that and was lucky enough to get it. And based in, in, in Moor Park and registered in UCD with the great Miles Rath as my supervisor in UCD and John Murphy, God rest him, as my supervisor in, in Moor Park. I suppose, you know, you continued on in that research vein and after the PhD in Moor Park. And I think you were a recipient of a Newman Scholar as well, Frank, for your postdoctoral work. Can you explain firstly what a Newman Scholar is and then yeah. the work you did? So, so look, um, uh, at, at the time, you know, there weren't, weren't that many people probably doing PhDs. And there were then for people that did them, there weren't, weren't many opportunities to stay in research. This was back in the in the early 90s and you know the the economy the economy wasn't as you know strong as it as it, as it is now and the amount of ex- funding for research was was much lower so um ucd had created this scheme called the newman scholarships where they got funding from from some you know organization or body or whatever to fund a, P, a postdoc position and uh, ucd got funding from in this case for the irish grain and feed from the irish grain and feed association for a postdoc position or a newman scholarship as, as it was called in the area of feed evaluation and my phd had been around that area of dairy cow nutrition and you know the impact of diet on milk protein content that was the particular topic so you know i was reasonably well versed in animal nutrition in particular ruminant nutrition so um, again, I, I, this looked a very interesting position to me, so I applied for it and was lucky enough to get it. And um, that was a three-year position, but before the end of it, again, I, you know, I fell on my feet again, and I was lucky enough to get a, a lecturing position in UCD. And Frank, am I right in saying that Newman Scholar, some of that work was based around the development of the net energy feeding system. So when we're now talking about UFLs for energy and, and PDI in terms of protein requirements, it was you that commenced that work in an Irish context. That's right, yeah. It was um, perceived at the time that there was um, maybe a better way to look at feed feeds and you know get better comparison of the value of different feeds, silages, grasses, concentrates. And that to, to do that on a net energy basis would be the, the most appropriate way to do it. So, yeah, that was the, the topic of my Newman scholarship. And um, we ended up then with, you know, at the end of that time, proposing that this is the system we should use for, for um, evaluating feeds in Ireland. And we published a set of feed tables and, and so on. And uh, that is the system now that's yeah, used by most people in, in the country now. And I remember as an undergrad going through lines at that time and seeing your various digestibility crates set up. So it looked like very involved work and very detailed meticulous study required to complete that. We did, yeah. We did a lot of work looking at different, um, different, I suppose, types of concentrate feeds. Like there was, there was pretty good um, work in the country already on silages and, and grasses. And, but there, were, there was a variety of, of feedstuffs being imported for use in concentrates. And we didn't have... Um, very specific values around the, the merits of, of each of those. So yeah, we did a lot of work looking at, at those and got great uh, support from the, the feed industry in terms of being able to source uh, batches from, from different, um, different, I suppose, countries or different supply chains and uh, being able to get a kind of a spread of, of um, types of individual feeds, whether it was corn gluten or cottonseed meal or whatever. So yeah, we did a lot of work over three or four years, I suppose, looking at different 
sources of those and, and those and I think it was it was pretty good work. Well it stood the test of time as you said that work has still been used today in our feed rationing systems. Yeah yeah there's no one foolish enough to go and try and do it again. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned then Frank as well that after you completed your or almost before you completed your, your postdoctoral work you you uh, secured a job on the lecturing and academic staff in the in the university. And that's probably where I came to know you first, as you were one of my lecturers in animal nutrition. And, you know, I was intrigued by the work you were doing at that stage, part of which was around methane mitigation, which is something we all talk about now today. But maybe back at that stage, it wasn't in the common vernacular just as much. So what brought you towards that area of research? So, look, two things, I guess. I remember going to a conference. I can't remember where it was now, but it was a conference organized by ADAS in the UK at the time and INRA. And it was around the impact of animal nutrition on, on, on environmental and dietary issues. And it talked about, you know, the, the impact of nutrition and nitrogen excretion and the, the, the challenges that nitrogen can cause in the environment and also with human health. And it talked about the impact of, of um, diet on emissions of methane. And I suppose it was the first time I got a consciousness of methane as a greenhouse gas. And that was probably back around, you know, I can't remember the exact year, but the late 90s, early 2000s. So that had me interested in this as a, as a challenge that was coming for, for agriculture and where, you know, nutrition and management of animals was going to have to play a role. And around that time, then the, the EPA were looking for somebody to, um, I suppose, develop the Irish inventory of calculating agricultural emissions. So they put out a, a call for, for projects in that area. And um, I put together a consortium involving, we'll say, soils people in Johnstown Castle and myself and colleagues in, in um, UCD on, on the animal side. And we said we would uh, we would take on that, that project. Uh, and... Uh, we won it, we were successful, and out of that, I suppose, my work in that was to develop the, the methane inventory for Irish livestock, and um, it brought it for those that are in, in the know, I suppose, from a tier one to a tier two level, and uh, it was, it was you know, really interesting work at the time because it was all very new, and as part of that work as well, that or that project, we did some, you know, the initial measurements on methane, actual measurements on methane on, on animals in Ireland, and um, looking at, you know, I suppose some of the initial work and looking at how diet was impacting on, on methane. So again, a, another hugely important piece of foundational work for the Irish agri-industry, Frank. So you demonstrated very early in your career the ability to recognise a challenge and, you know, recognise an opportunity. Yeah, I, there's, there's that, but there's also been the right place at the right time. I suppose if I hadn't gone to that conference, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have been conscious really about the, this uh, issue that was coming. And that coincided with this call expression or call for, for tenders from EPA. So sometimes you're just lucky, maybe. Yeah, well, you might explain it by look once, but when it's <laughs> when it's twice, it's, it's starting to show yeah. a trend. And then, Frank, I suppose one of one of my earliest interactions with you, well, probably one of the first interactions was yourself and Frank Crosby put me through the ringer for my professional work experience interview as a third year. But after that, I, I, I worked with you on the organization of the International Grassland Congress, which was really a huge achievement yeah. to bring that event to Dublin. Again, can you just maybe explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, so look, the International Grassland Congress, it's a really big global conference. It's held every four years, it's a bit like the Olympics. And, um, you know, it's it's a, a major conference on uh, on all aspects to do with grassland. And not so that's just not just the production of grass, but also the conservation of grass for for um for winter feeding or whatever, but also the the performance of animals on grass, the impact on animal products, the impact on the environment, and so on. So um this conference it it was coming to Ireland in two thousand and five, and um 
I suppose a consortium was put together to organise it, including the Irish Grassland Association as the kind of host organisation, but also then Chagask and UCD as the two organisations that were going to really put the, the, the shoulder to the wheel in terms of organising it. So I was in UCD at the time and I was asked to take on the job of, of, um, of being the secretary to the organising committee, which I guess meant doing all the dog's body work. And uh, so it was, a, it was a massive challenge. I really enjoyed it though. It was probably, you know, three years of preparation work for it. Uh, we ended up with over a thousand delegates from, I can't remember how many countries, but I'm feeling somewhere in the, in, you know, in the 80 or 90 different countries. And um, it was a very successful conference. And uh, uh, as I said, I, I really enjoyed it. It was something outside of the, the straightforward research or, or lecturing, which is my day job at the time. And got me into the, you know, the more, I suppose, interacting with, with lots of different um, people, including those in policy and industry and so on. And I really enjoyed it. And I remember, Tommy, you came on board the last couple of months when we were, uh, you know, really coming to the pinch, I suppose, with getting things organised. And you were a fantastic addition at the time to the team. And uh, but it was, a, it was a great, great event. You said at the time your role was in UCD, but not so long after that, you know, or maybe a couple of years after, you, you came to Chagas where you assumed the director of research role. And, you know, at a very dynamic time in the agri-food industry, coming up to quota removals, you know, the five or six years maybe leading up to that. So what was your focus during that time as director of research? And, you know, maybe what were some of the biggest changes or biggest gains you saw in the research area at that, at that time? Yeah, so look, you know, if, if you look at today now and, and people say that there's huge challenges and huge change ahead for the agriculture sector. And back when I joined Chagask in, in late 2006, Again, you know, we were saying there's huge change. So it's, you know, I'm around long enough to know that there's always huge change ahead and, and nothing ever stays the same. So I suppose that the changes over, over that period um, that, that I would, when I look back on it, you know, the increase in the importance of environment, environmental research is absolutely one of the, the standout features. And, you know, uh, back at that time, water quality was regarded as, as very important. So, you know, that, that was high on the agenda. But greenhouse gases and climate change and ammonia emissions and biodiversity have all come along as, as, as big issues. So, so that was one obvious thing. The second, I suppose, big thing was the, the increased use and the application of genetic or genomic tools or biosciences, we maybe called it at the time. And um, that, that was across all, all the, the research areas. So whether it was soils or whether it was food, you know, the, the focus on the microbiome was huge. For animals and, and crops, it was the use of gene genomic tools in, in animal breeding. And um, so, so again, to me, that's, that's probably the second big standout uh, feature. And the third probably that I, I would look at is, you know, I, I think over that time period, we really copper fastened our position in, in Ireland here, not in Chagas, but, but also in, in the other institutions as a world leader in grassland based uh, production systems. And uh, that manifests itself in things you know, like the the the, um, the pasture based Ireland decision support tool that that uh, Chagas developed, and the pasture profit index as a way of comparing cultivars um, of of grass. And you know, there was a time when we were we were going to New Zealand to see what what was the latest and the best in terms of grassland research. And over that time, I think the New Zealanders would acknowledge that they have learned a lot from us. So so the, the, they were probably the the three big things that would stand out in my mind. And the, the middle one, the genetics and genomics and so on, that's so broad, you know, we've made great strides in Ireland here as well in, in the whole area of the microbiome, probably initially in the food, the, the impact of diet on, on the human microbiome. But now 
you know, that's that's right through to the, the animal microbiome, the, the soil microbiome, the plant microbiome. So Ireland, I think, just in terms of our our scientific strengths developed tremendously and, and Chagas was, was part of that uh, over that period. And probably coupled with that then as well, Frank, was the training and the generation of new scientists which have fed into our own research infrastructure here in the country, but also travel right around the world and are having big impacts around the world as well. That's right, yeah. Again, there's been a huge growth in the, the number of PhD students in the Irish system. And, and back around that time when I joined Chagas, um, the national research strategy at the time was to, you know, have a large increase in the number of PhD students because it was, you know, seen as the, you know, the, they were the, the people who were going to drive forward the, the economy and the, the, re- the research and the science. So here in Chagas, yes, over that time, we probably doubled our number of Walsh scholars and we now have uh, about 250 Walsh scholars doing PhDs. And when I joined in 2006, that was probably more like 100 or 120. So, so again, yeah, tremendous, um, growth in that and the contribution that they have made and I suppose for us in Chagas the links it gives us to the universities here in Ireland obviously uh, in the first instance but also internationally uh, because all those Walsh scholars have a, a university Chagas partnership um, so, so that has been fantastic. And then you know in the last in the last number of months you've moved into the director of research role in Chagas and, and congratulations on, on your on your appointment you know, so now you're 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 overseeing the organisation as a whole. So you know, with with your new hat on, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the organisation or the industry which it's serving? Yeah, yeah. So look, I'm five months in in the role now. Um, it's obviously been a very busy five months, but really enjoyable. Uh, I suppose that from my perspective, the the big challenges, obviously, um, the first thing really, I, I started the job on the first of October, and we were straight into the the Climate Change Advisory Council publishing. Uh, carbon budgets and you know that's going to be an ongoing uh, challenge for for the sector and we all know the size of that challenge I don't need to go over that so so I think that that is a massive challenge and it's it's a it's a challenge I see twofold it's a challenge for the sector to reach its emissions targets but it's also a challenge for the sector to get on the right side of of um, society like society wants to see action in this it wants to feel comfortable with the food that it's eating. So I think, you know, we, we have to we have to give that comfort to our consumers, whether they be in Ireland or whether they're internationally, that we are, you know, best in class in relation to the way we produce food from a climate perspective. So so it's climate and other environmental issues are huge. I think, you know, we're mainly a livestock uh, producing country here in terms of our, our agriculture. That's not to say we don't have a really good and important uh, crop production sector, but livestock dominates it. And I think, again, the societal expectations around animal welfare and uh, the, the overall production system in which food is produced is a big challenge for us now. You know, I think we're starting in a pretty good place. You know, we do have pretty high uh, welfare of our animals, but, you know, you can't stand still. You have to keep improving that. So, so I think there are two big challenges. The third big challenge that I see, again, probably very strongly focused on the livestock sector, is the, um, the attitude towards livestock products in the diet and you know, there is um, a narrative out there that we must eat less livestock products, both for our our health and for the environment. Now, I think, you know, sometimes people don't, that, that's too simple a narrative, really. Um, but it is a narrative we have to be aware of and we have to know how to position our story and our food within within that narrative. And look, there's lots of other challenges. The whole area of antimicrobial resistance is, is, is a big one. And I suppose the biggest challenge, and, and I said things change all the time, but one, change, one thing that doesn't change is the, the challenge for farmers to make a livelihood. And, um, and, and that challenge 
change, like the goalposts don't stay still. You know, when I was young, uh, farmers had a certain expectation as to the livelihood they could get from, from their farms. And, you know, when I was in my 20s or whatever, that expectation had moved on and has moved on hugely again now. So people are not willing to, you know, commit to a life of drudgery and, you know, l l l low incomes just because they love farming. They might want, they might love farming, they might, they might want to farm, but they want to have an equally good lifestyle as, you know, their friends that, that went into other jobs or other professions or other trades. So, so the, the, the bar, I suppose, keeps rising as, as is right. For, for livelihoods and for income from farms and for us to support farmers um, in that ambition of having a decent livelihood and a de decent style of, of life is, is always a challenge and, and that's something I suppose that's core to our um, mission and our purpose is, is first and foremost to keep the, 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 the farms of Ireland viable. So Frank, in addition to those challenges which you've just outlined facing the industry, do you see particular challenges facing Chagas as an organisation? Well, look, um, sure, look, there's always challenges for every organisation. You know, there's, in, in our case, I suppose there's, there's more work to do than we can, than we can do. And um, I think probably now the role of the organisation has never been more important given the challenges that are coming down the tracks in relation to climate change and, and, and other environmental issues. But look, you know, we have a, a fantastic um, organisation, fantastic workforce. I think we're really blessed to have the, the functions of advisory education research in the one organisation. And, you know, we, we use this phrase now, Chagas, together to describe how we want to work, which is really putting those three functions working side by side in relation to the challenges. And that's how we're at our most powerful and can achieve the most. Excellent, Frank. And, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly lots there to talk about your, yourself and, and the organisation in, in meeting all those, all those challenges. I might just step away from the, I suppose, the, the day job for a moment and, and talk a little bit about, you know, all the contribution you've made to the industry and, and to the and to the agri-food sector outside of your of your core employment. I'm thinking about here as your roles on various representative bodies. So you were former president of the Agricultural Science Association. Um, you're involved in a number of European uh, groupings, uh, currently president of the Animal Task Force, and, you know, involved with international organizations like the Global Research Alliances. So, you know, where does the passion come from to, for that involvement? Yeah, well, look, I, I think um, I always saw it as kind of part of the job, like that you, you had to um, you had to give of yourself or you had to to maybe um, make that sort of a contribution. It goes back to the, the International Grassland Congress that we, we talked about. Like, I, I love that. I saw it as part of my job and um, and I got a huge amount back out of it. So, so I've been involved in, in a couple of other things, as you say, all right, um, internationally. Um, one thing that I, I was involved in back around the same time, actually, was the, the famous IPCC. Um, I was actually one of the, the lead authors on, I think it was the fourth assessment report. Now, that sounds brilliant. There was probably 250 other lead authors as well. So um, it doesn't mean that you, you ended up writing. But I think it's really important that, that Irish scientists are involved in international bodies like that. So when I got the, the chance to, to uh, or when I saw the opportunity to apply for it and, and got selected, look, I, I thought that was great and really important. And I'm always encouraging people to get involved in things like that. And I suppose, look, that can lead to other things like the, at the time, around that time, the, the New Zealand government were anxious to create a global research alliance, as they called it, of countries that were interested in reducing emissions from agriculture through research. 
and um, so the Global Research Alliance was established and Ireland is one of the, the, the member countries of that and I was involved in that and I'm delighted to see that others you know, have, have got involved and one of my colleagues, Sinead Waters, is now in a senior position in the Global Research Alliance as one of the, the co-chairs of the Livestock Committee, which is obviously the main one that Ireland would, would have an interest in. And so, so there's other bodies like that. I, you know, I'm involved in a, a European organisation called the Animal Task Force, which is really a collection or a, a group of research organisations that that see research in livestock production as important and want to, I suppose, um, ensure that the, the European research programmes, the Horizon programmes, properly reflect the importance of agriculture in, in their um, work. So, so we work with, with the Commission and with others to try to outline what the, 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 the priorities are for livestock-related research and ensure they get included in the work programmes. And look, we have varying success with that. But I think it's, 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 it's important to do that um, and it's important that Ireland as a small country, you know, is active in that sphere um, because number one, we obviously can learn a lot, but number two, we, we actually have an ability to influence. And uh, even though we're a small country, you know, we shouldn't underestimate that. And it's always very rewarding. I find that type of work, you know, really, you know, it, it, it gets you away maybe from the day job and, and so on. And it gives you this little bit of thinking time and a different perspective, you know, coming from, from listening to other people. Yeah, absolutely. So, Frank, I'm not sure whether, you know, with all those roles and responsibilities, you have any spare time, but, you know, maybe outside of the work, what, what, what do you do to relax or what do you do in your, in your spare time? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I think I'm reasonably good to, to relax. I um, Okay, in any job nowadays, you're going to work long hours and all that. But look, I've, um, I suppose, you know, I've interested my family first and foremost, and, and that, you know, you put a lot of time into, into that. And um, my... I always, you know, try to get home in the evening and spend a bit of time, have my dinner at home if I can in the evening. And uh, of course, the family are growing up now, so they they're not too interested in having dinner in the evening very often. Uh, but anyway, myself, and my wife, uh, we do. And um, look, I have an interest in sport. Um, love Gaelic games, particularly hurling uh, from Tipperary. So I've had some good years over the last decade or two, and many many disappointing days as well. And uh, like rugby and and other sports and. Uh, do a small bit of part-time farming uh, myself and my wife so um, you know that's always a great way to to lose time uh, or to and certainly to, to to take your mind away from from um, the, the day job go out and check cattle or do a few jobs or whatever so so look I yeah I think it's important you know that you do have that bit of downtime and that you you turn your mind off um, off the day job and, and very often as well if you're doing a kind of a mundane job you can actually do great thinking or an inspiration could come to you or an idea could come to you so i suppose that maybe you never switch off fully but at least um you, you can you can put your mind to other things frank uh, listen thanks a million for joining us this afternoon i know you're 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 very busy we greatly appreciate your time on behalf of myself and the agricultural science association we'd like to wish you continued success and continued good health for yourself and your family well thanks very much and look i'd like to wish the asa well also you know i i give a couple of years on the council and, and include that included a year as president and again it was one of those things that I got much more back out of than I put into so uh, and the ASA I think is a very important organization for for professionals in the industry I think it's really important that we have an organization that represents the professionals and um, I just wish continued success to the ASA. Thank you Frank. Thank you.